Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome in, Jeff Cameron Show, War Chant TV. It's always good to get caught up because it's an ever-changing space, and we're learning a lot uh, as we watch it all take place from afar. But luckily, we've got uh, the CEO of the Battle's End on the program, and we do regularly because, uh, listen, uh, it, it's a chance to, to talk with Ingram and get a, get a, you know get inside information that not a lot of people know at this point. And I welcome him now. Ingram, are you, are you uh, just as... Uh, I guess maybe surprised as so many of us of how quickly this is all transpiring. I'm going to reveal the seven NIL entities and the official formation of that group and all that here in a second and explain it to folks. But I remember when you first signed on for this and I learned of this and we, we started talking and you said, well, man, this is going to be a whirlwind because day to day, I just don't know what to expect. It's a, it's a changing space at all times. And now we see something like this. Uh, it, it has remained true to a changing space and it is uh you know, it is very, uh, very much a fluid uh, environment. But, you know, this is a, I feel like maybe we've, we're on the prefaces of leaving kind of NIL 1.0 and we're maturing a little bit. And I speak both uh, broadly of collectives and just from a macro perspective of college athlete, college athletics, uh, dealing with NIL, what it is, what it may ultimately turn into. Um, and we're just trying to, you know, we don't think we know all the, the answers. I certainly don't know all the answers, uh, but we've got, you know, one or two of them, certainly, uh, I think. And it's um, all really kind of driven by a passion for, you know, college athletics. Obviously, football is is massive, but uh, we do want to uh, to get this right. And I don't know that just kind of kicking down the can down the road and seeing, you uh, you know, how this court case in Pennsylvania or this court case in California, how they resolve themselves and then, uh, you know, trying to hurriedly put something together to save college athletics is a, is a great idea. It's a very, very important to an awful lot of people. And, you know, we're trying to have as beneficial an impact on things uh, from the NIL perspective and, and from the perspective of the collectives by forming uh, such a trade association. Okay, so this all uh, happens on the heels of, in essence, the NCAA going to Capitol Hill looking for NIL reform, and these are the seven NIL entities, and you're, you're part of that. The Battle's End is part of that, and it is called the Collective Association, and you know this is something that, at least in terms of kind of wanting to set guidelines, identify problems, and expand and organize and benefit uh, the athletes and, and guide in addition to monies, but also 
opportunities and information and education that you've wanted to do from the start. This, I would imagine for you, is a big step forward in that regard. This is great. Absolutely. And I, I think the original kind of go back to my, you know, 1.0 of NIL was either, you know, do the John Ruiz model, bang your chest as loud as possible, claim that every athlete that came to your school was because of you, take pictures with them, et cetera, et cetera, or just not even be, you know, in the equation, be kind of an unknown entity. And I, I don't know that either of those are particularly helpful uh, or healthful or healthy uh, models or ways to go about. So, um, you know, the, the game has certainly changed. Uh, we are headed into a world where revenue sharing is all but certain. Um, we, we feel like all parties need to kind of acknowledge that and then start to build something that is, uh, you know, protective of college athletics, uh, but also acknowledges that, you know, uh, with all due respects to our, uh, the places where you and I went to college, you know, Etsu and Hampton, Sydney, don't play <laughs> college athletics at the level that Florida State does. So let's let's be real. Let's you know acknowledge those that play almost a form of, of semi-pro sports. When you talk about the the power and the monetization of the brands and what's behind them, um, and at the same time, I mean, look, I I. Uh, would have not been anything special, but I I certainly gave the idea of wrestling in college, and I've loved women's college soccer since I was eight years old. And college athletics as a whole is a beautiful thing that needs to be protected. And and if we don't get this right, Jeff, um, football is not going anywhere. But you could see a serious gutting of college athletics across the board if uh, you know some of these things don't ultimately work out uh, if athletes turn into employees which by the way most athletes don't want to turn into employees of the school mm -hmm. uh, that they choose to go to so uh, again I don't approach this and, and I know that the schools or excuse me I know that the collectives that we've paired with don't uh, view this as hey we know every answer to every question uh, but we do want to you know, take this this conversation kind of out into the light and uh, and have a very serious conversation about the future of college athletics and how to best uh, safeguard and protect it. Yeah. And and those that have a problem uh, with 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 what's happened, if you will, uh, would argue that there, there has to be some form of federal legislation. And uh do you think that is something that's coming? Uh, do you think that will be accomplished, uh, a federal mandate of sorts? Not per se. I don't uh, – now, look, everybody's got a different uh, a different point of view on this, uh, but I don't – when I talk to people in Washington and I talk to people that are particularly informed uh, upon this matter, I don't think the political appetite is there to mm -hmm. this. I don't think that they're – is a singular issue that, uh, hey, let's just get real in the American political system. There kind of needs to be clearly defined lines for people to get behind it. And it's not like one party. Now, you know, there may in time be political beliefs and parties that kind of line up quasi differently on this, but it's not like this is a clear cut. Hey, the left side of the country stands on this side and the right side stands on that. Um, so I, I don't know where you know, even the the real political motivation or, or will is going to come from. So um, maybe that happens. I don't think it will. Uh, and, you know, ultimately we'll see. But I don't know that it's 
again, I don't know that it's a risk worth taking of leaving this to Washington, D.C. to try to figure out a subject matter that, I mean, listen to them for five minutes. They don't, they're not familiar with this. And quite honestly, they got bigger, bigger things on their plate than trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what the, what college football looks like or something like that. Uh, uh, political elected leaders in Washington, D.C. are probably not the people, in our opinion, that you want to entrust uh, the future of college athletics to. Talking to the CEO of the Battles in Ingram Smith. Ingram, what led to, I guess, specifically, whether it's the collective at Georgia or Tennessee or Mississippi, obviously you guys at the Battles in USC, University of Michigan, Penn State, to come together in order to form this? What, what, how, how did those specific groups uh, become partners? This is a, a group of like-minded collectives that represent um, – now, look, we don't speak for the institutions that we partner with, and we're never going to try to tell people that we do. But, you know, it is, it is like-minded collectives with kind of like-minded uh, aspirations of the athletic programs that, that perhaps they're paired with that want to play college athletics at the highest level. This will not forever be a, a seven person group. Now we may forever be, you know, founding members or some other super important title. like that, <laughs> but, uh, You know, th this will grow. I, I can see this being schools mainly of the SEC and big 10. Um, and this, this group, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't grow into say the twenties or thirties uh, over time. Do you envision a time where it, w it would certainly behoove in my opinion the NCAA to sit down and, and, and to speak with you guys. Um, do you think that you know, to learn uh, the direction uh, that the collective association thinks this needs to go and how to protect the sport and how to protect athletes, do you think that they would, they would meet with you guys to have these kinds of ongoing conversations, uh, especially since I agree with you that, that, that in essence, they're not going to get a response from Washington. So do you think moving forward when that happens, they will, be motivated to sit down and talk or, or are they going to be irrelevant in the not too distant future? We have been, uh, we, and I, and I speak, you know, broadly speaking uh, as, as the, all the collectives that are uh, in, joined in the, the press release that we released yesterday, I uh, have been very enthused by the response uh, that we've gotten across the, the map and we're excited to continue to carry on this conversation. And um, look, I'm not going to tell you that we're, uh, invited to go to indianapolis next tuesday or something like that jeff but we think that uh, we think that that the there are powers to be out there that have uh, recognized the message and are interested in learning more and that that in our opinion is a very positive thing i always ask you this and it'll be one of the last things i ask you for this discussion because i, I think we've learned a lot here uh but what has changed recently for the better what do you see that is is coming into shape now that has you encouraged um, from where we were to where we are today? I think just it, there's more certainty as to what's out there. There's more certainty as to how to go about it. Also, the entities that have done this in the right way uh, are, you know, with each uh, iteration of doing it the right way, you build up a reputation for yourself uh, as have done such. And I think there's starting to be some clarity as to who's got their hands around this issue and who doesn't. Um, and I think that's only going to be a good thing in the long run. I know it's made for some uh, some bumpy roads uh, at particular institutions, but 
Uh, I think more and more schools, or not schools, more and more uh, collectives are starting to figure out the importance of this. Um, they're starting to have a more educated conversation about the agents in this space. Um, and I think this is just maturing and, and growing into a, a more uh, professional, you know, landscape. And, and ultimately, you know, NIL is going to take twists and turns. And I think a lot of people call, you know, traditional NIL is, hey, maybe the offensive lineman goes to Subway and uh, gets his picture taken and gets a free sandwich or something like that. Um, I'm not sure that that's accurate, Jeff. I, I think, you know, real, you know, quote unquote, real NIL is the value that these kids bring on the TV contracts. You know, you and I uh, and, and a lot of your listeners of your show watch Florida State football because we're really excited about what the quarterback looks like or what the defensive end is going to look like. And ultimately, I think we're getting to the point where we're having more mature conversations about revenue sharing um, at a more uh, legitimate level and not saying that, oh, NIL is, uh, you know, you're yeah, the boogeyman. Way yeah. going to give 50 bucks to an offensive lineman. And meanwhile, all the alumni are having to basically foot the bill for this. I, I think everybody in the world, not alumni, but boosters, supporters of the school, et cetera, um, that's not a model that is sustainable for any school, regardless of how much wealth you have. You cannot just go around and, and pass the bill and expect for that to work uh, for forever. It's working in this transition period. Uh, but I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel uh, with a much more defined and, and carved out uh, ideas to what this is. And also a level enforcement that perhaps could come with that uh, as well. If you're going to, be a collective and you're going to potentially have access to a revenue share that has to do with uh, TV or apparel or any other source of income, uh, then, you know, perhaps there's some guidelines for you to uh, act in accordance with the rules that we've all uh, agreed upon or else you end up uh, putting that revenue stream in jeopardy. And man, that could be a, that could be a game changer for any institution. Again, uh, doesn't matter how many affluent alumni you've got in your back pocket. I'm putting myself in the seat of uh, the uh, concerned fan, uh, alumnus, booster supporter, as you just described. Uh, when college football began to see a radical shift in the way that it did business, in the way that money was distributed, the way that players could benefit, the way that others wondered whether or not uh, they could compete, all of these things. And what I hear from you is a much more cogent and direct plan, effective plan that is organized, that is well thought out, uh, that benefits all involved, the university, the players, the alumni, the boosters, the fans of the game of college football, that it's moving inexorably towards this. And that is something that I think a few months ago would have been described alternatively as the Wild West. We're moving away from those kinds of descriptors with groups like yourself and others that you've joined forces with. I think it's reason to celebrate just a personal opinion injected there. But for those who feel similarly, how can they get involved to help out the battles in and the quest that you guys have to save college football and Florida State football in particular? No, well, we'd love for you to join the battles in. And I appreciate the opportunity there, Jeff. And if nothing else, we've got a, a piece of content that we're really excited, which I believe has been used as as B-roll footage on some of our conversation here today about uh, just the player's experience of going through uh, the tour of duty workouts and some of the uh, demands that are put on them. And, hey, look, I've been a diehard college football fan since I was six years old. 
Uh, and I'm still surprised by how much these guys are asked to do. And the more that I learn about exactly what the schedule is. So, um, you know, that's a fun piece of content that we're excited to bring this fan base. And that's something that we're going to continue to do. But just I want you to know that anything that you heard today or listened from me is masked with a significant sense of jealousy and envy that you're over there eating carry gold and <laughs> around the golf ball, world class golf course, <laughs> you know, world class golf courses, and I'm sitting here in Atlanta. So screw you, sir. Great to talk to you. I always enjoy it, man, and the insight is greatly appreciated. Enjoy the 98 degree day that you're experiencing currently in Atlanta. It's 61 where I stand now here in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, at the time that others will hear this. And, uh, you know, I'll think about you. I'll pity you, and then I'll have a drink of Guinness. Well, I will create more work for Matthew, but you know exactly what I think of you and what you do yourself right now. <laughs> Safe travels, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, bud. Later. Now, that is Ingram Smith, the CEO of the Battles Inn. How quickly this has shifted from disorganized, confusing, and potentially detrimental for Florida State to uplifting, focused, and I would say instrumental in changing the shape of uh, Florida State football and college football on the whole. So that's a good thing. Uh, as always, folks, want to remind you of a couple of great things that are happening right now in addition to the battles in. Uh, Guarding Gold and our relationship with them continues to benefit you, and that is a good thing. We will have War Chant days. Specifically, we will tell you about those days as they approach, and on those days, you'll have an opportunity to purchase from the college vault over by the uh, university, over by the stadium there, uh, for up to 25% off. But I can tell you right here and right now that War Chant subscribers, if you're a War Chant subscriber, and if you're not, what the hell are we waiting on? You sign up now, subscribe today, and get set for a season for the ages, one hopes, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase just as a subscriber from Garnet and Gold. So there it is. You're a subscriber to Warchant.com, 10% off for Warchant subscribers. And on special uh, days where we get together with Garnet and Gold and call them Warchant days, you get 25% off a of classic gear uh, purchased from the vault. So that is a really good thing. I want to welcome in really quickly, Tom Lang, before we wrap up here and put a ribbon on the conversation. Tom, I remember when you and I first began uh, to talk about where this was all headed and how it seemed like, as I described earlier, the wild, wild west. That was the descriptor most often used by those uh, looking at the shifting landscape of college football. How far we've come. I think that you'll see others join a group like this that has a real clear directive. I think that uh, there are powers that be within the battle's end, and it's not just Ingram. He'd be the first to tell you that. But the, the, the core of that group understood this could never be just about the money. The money was a big thing, but it had to be about education and opportunity and experiences and all of the things that you would want our student-athletes going through a collegiate football experience to enjoy and learn from and benefit from. If that happens – Fan bases, boosters, supporters, alumni of all kind feel much better about supporting something that has been streamlined, that has focus, that has a, a, an objective that seems to be in line with what we want college football players to be involved with. Yeah, the two-word phrase I would use is good faith. That's what people want to see, and that's what you have to exhibit here is good faith that you are abiding by something close to the system while not just going straight inducement strategy, which is free stuff, free money, free cars, whatever. Like that's what 
That's what paying players to the casual college football fan, the casual college sports fan or sports fan in general, that's what they think it is. It's just cash because you can catch touchdowns, run for a thousand yards in a season and all that kind of stuff. And yes, those who can do those things better are going to be paid more, but it has to be anchored into some sort of hybrid model that is not simply uh, an NFL or an NBA or an MLB type situation in which you'd have to unionize or have players become employees. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That those would be the repercussions. And also the other thing is you don't want to lose other sports. You don't want it to be all about the money-making sports and everything else becomes regional club action because I love watching college softball like in Clearwater when they do in, in February and they have the best teams from across the country come down and play. You don't want that to go away. You don't want a national championship for golf, a Greyhawk to go away. And that's what would happen with an arms race if it's not stopped now and stopped soon. And if Congress isn't going to do it, if the federal legislators are not going to do it, then you better get your act together on the ground. I think that's the impetus for this whole thing right now. Yeah, it's exciting. I think it's a great story. I think it was something that uh, probably was a, 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 you know, a boost, a boost uh, to the average fan reading something like that. Like, oh, this is taking a turn for the better. This is not taking a turn for the worse. This seems like something I could get down with, that I could support, that I could be happy to be involved with. So, uh, you know, as Ingram laid out there, you can get involved, go to thebattlesin.com, all that good stuff. All right, Tommy, I'm out of here, buddy. That was a good talk with uh, Ingram, the CEO of The Battles In. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Until next time, next time you'll see me on screen, I imagine it'll be from Ireland. And that doesn't suck. So long, suckers!